Middle of the Pack. Real discussions for the middle of the pack by the middle of the pack. We'll talk about training and racing, but we're here to deep dive into the life topics of the weekend warriors and obstacle course racing enthusiasts. Obstacle course racing isn't just a sport, it's a lifestyle. We are the middle of the pack. Welcome to Middle of the Pack podcast. My name is Maggie BATC. I am the OCR trainer. I'm here with optical activist Derek Rosansky and Sabretooth OCR himself, Charles MacDonald. Guys, how are you doing today? I mean, I'm just drinking my coffee, having a good old time over here with my dog. It's a good day. Always a good day. I'm doing pretty good. I'm here with coffee, beer, and sparkling water. So I'm covering array of things. Yeah. Well, we're here. It's episode one of Middle of the Pack podcast. And guys, there is a topic that the OCR world has been debating and battling each other for years at this point, honestly. And I think it's time that we final tackle it. Today, I, I want your insight. What do you guys think? Bands over burpees. Like, would you prefer that mandatory obstacle completion race, or are you in the burpees forever crowd? Well, um, tale as old as time, fans versus burpees. I have been always on the obstacle completion side of everything. I can see an argument for penalties, but yeah, uh, in the intro part of this, I'm for obstacle completion. Yeah, same, honestly. Um, I mean, everyone knows now if they don't know they will they will know now that i've always been bands over burpees i mean unless you're running open obviously run your own race that whole thing but i mean if you're running competitive or elite if you can't do an obstacle then why call yourself elite that's the whole point of obstacle course racing to me burpees is not an obstacle so bands over burpees forever okay yeah i am an obstacle specialist through and through i love obstacles it's an obstacle course race we should have to obstacle to yeah. really stand on a podium or whatever else. But I think it's time to really talk about the community perspective of it all. I, you know, I think we all started as open racers. I know for myself, I was not going to step into a competitive field for obstacle course racing, Spartan, OCRWC, whatever else until I knew that I could complete every single obstacle. That was my stepping stone before I could step into a competitive field. Um, but me personally, I wanted that challenge and I was not going to cross the finish line until I did every single burpee or whatever else, because walking past an obstacle was just not an option. That is not completing a race in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you literally might as well be running a trail race. Like, why compete an OCR if you're not going to do the obstacles or try the obstacles if you're just going to burpee out or even touch them and go on or touch and do a time penalty or, you know, loop penalty, anything like that? That's literally a trail race. Just go run a trail race at that point. When I jumped into racing early on, all I really had was a Spartan race. So I didn't have another idea of. I mean, we didn't really have an idea of mandatory obstacle completion, really, till like, what, Battlefrog showed up. Um, and then we got right. the multiple try aspect. But so for me, early on, 
I was already somewhat of a runner, so trying to do obstacle races, I mean, shit, I didn't, I didn't finish a set of monkey bars until 2014 at Fenway. Um, so that was two years into racing for me before I even did that. So I always said, once I perfected like Spartan race obstacles, I was like, okay, let's look into this like tougher stuff. So once I started doing that and really got humbled by some obstacles, I really believed in the multiple retry aspect and seeing the actual like competitiveness of the sport and seeing how close it can be, which kind of prevent presents what we've seen in some instances with having to do burpees. If you fail an obstacle, you do sometimes see some of the pros like take the option of like, okay, these monkey bars are super wet. The person in front of me just failed. Can I out burpee them? So, and we've seen that like gamble as well. So you do get kind of like that fun aspect of this where people are actually literally burpee racing to get to the finish, which, but that's a very rare instance. I mean, I think there needs to be kind of a middle ground though, too. I mean, like you kind of said, you know, battle frog, I think they were, they were on the cusp of like kind of perfecting it and Savage has kind of started to go that way. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think either one of you did a Savage in 2020, did you? No, there last average really wasn't I've... racing in 2020. Um, it, at least in the state of Massachusetts, I can't even travel down to the state of Rhode Island for longer than, you know, 12 hours without being potentially fined $500. So no, I didn't do a yeah. savage race in 2020, even though it was supposed to be the year that I finally stepped into a savage race. Fair enough. Wait, you never done a savage race ever? She has not done a savage race. Really. Haven't we talked about this yet? Every year it is Savage Boston is the same weekend as Palmerton. And Palmerton is one of those courses that I have a vendetta against. The first year it took me like what seven, eight hours to complete in a hundred plus degree high humidity. So year two, I came back and I like podiumed age group. And every year I'll always go out determined to destroy Palmerton now. But this year I was going to skip Palmerton strictly to do Savage Boston. Wow. And you call yourself the OCR trainer and you've never run a Savage. Well, for those of you, <coughs> again, who have never um, run a Savage. excuse me. <laughs> well, you uh, so I mean, no. go ahead. I haven't run a Savage Race since 2018, um, and I didn't get to run it last year because I just I didn't have the training in set because they ran Maryland, and that is technically my home Savage, and they ran it in the fall, and I had friends who did it, and I was just like, nope, I'm just not in the obstacle condition right now. Um, but yeah, 2018 is when they did introduce like their the what you were I'm assuming we're about to talk about, which is their band policy on this. Well, yeah. So, I mean, for those who don't know that are listening, so Battle Frog, rest in peace. Um, Ooh, they right now, they created... may be rising from um, the dead. Yeah, in, 2020, well, in 2022, okay. I think they just posted that 2021 was a little too preemptive. Um, Garfield signed on, signed off, and now they're yeah. kind of trying to figure their shit out again. Um, so Battle Frog, is, they're trying to come back, but it, just give them a little bit of time. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Money. Lots of money. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I think they were kind of ahead of their time in terms of elite OCR and everything. Cause 
when they had their um their elite races they had if i remember correctly they had three lanes they had an elite uh, lane like a little bit more competitive but not elite lane and then like a total beginner lane and obviously elite had to do the elite side and then you cut you could kind of choose from there and open racers could do whatever lane they wanted to, but elite had to do the hardest, like quote unquote expert lane. Yeah. Um, Savage started doing that in 2020 at their handful of races that they had. Really? Um, I, yeah, yes. So primarily now, not for every obstacle, but they've started doing it on their rigs. So Lee has been building some of the craziest, best, very battle frog esque rigs in the past Jeez. two years, especially this past year. If you go and look at any of their live streams from the races, mm -hmm. um, their rigs are getting tremendously harder um, to the point where a lot of the pros, I think it took. So the race I ran in Maryland and in Florida out of, I think like 140 Savage pros, I think it took 75 bands. So it took out and wiped out more than half the field of wow. just the pros, which is insane that it took out literally half, you know, half the wave of pros. But what they started to do is, you know, all the open waivers would get there and they were then having trouble actually competing it. So they started making three lanes just kind of like Battle Frog. So now they have the quote unquote like pro lane and they have an intermediate and then they have a beginner lane so that when the open waivers get there, they can choose whatever they want to do. And if they want to see if they have what it takes to, you know, be a pro, they can try the pro lane, but they have the other twos. That way they can still try the obstacle. Because what was happening was the open waivers were getting to this rig and kind of saying, well, this is stupid. Like, I can't even attempt this. I can't even get on it. So they've been starting to do a three-lane rig now. So it's funny um, that you talk about this because literally as you're talking, my Instagram is going off. And um, if anybody who's listening follows um, us on Instagram, we are trying to promote community outreach and engaging the community on the topics we want to discuss. And somebody actually just commented to me. Um, her name's Lindsay on Instagram. She says, I prefer bands over burpees, but I get really pissed if they make obstacles so difficult that only a handful of women have 100% obstacle completion. And I think this is exactly what you're talking about with having the three different lanes where right. that, that pro lane is challenging to all pros. Then you have that middle lane for the open waivers who are probably, they want the challenge, but they're not quite to the pro level. And then they have the very basic beginner open waves. I know this past year was my first year running Fit Challenge, for example. And um, I spent the summer and the entire year, honestly, um, friends with Rob. I was out at his Camp McCoy all summer, and he built up his Devil's Playground. And all summer I said, Rob, I'm hearing that no women can really beat Devil's Playground. I want to drill, drill, drill. I'm going to master it. So he's like, okay, I have the elite lane and I have the open lane. He said the elite lane is these little blocks, um, whereas the open lane is the full plank with the hand grips. So, okay, I drill on the little blocks that he calls the elite lane. I get to the race course and I'm getting ready and he's... Um, I walk up to the obstacle and there's another woman there and she's like, oh, husband, you do the men's side. I do the women's side. I'm like, well, no, we have the elite lane and we have 
the open lane. And then Rob comes over. He's like, oh, no, men do the really hard side and the women do the open lane. I'm like, that's not how it was. Either you have elite or you have open. So I love the idea of this moderate level, but I think there definitely needs to be more of it and it needs to be broadcast to the world. If you're going to have an obstacle that's going to be ridiculously challenging, we, one, need to address, okay, is this going to be for everybody? If you're going to have an elite lane, it should be men, women, elite lane. No sexism, anything like that. But, like, if you have an obstacle that's supposed to be tough, why can't you have the three levels? And that is if there is something like men and women that, you know, the women have a little bit more challenge on an obstacle. Okay, you can knock it down one level. Yeah. So I completely agree on that. We um, This also brings up, like, Derek, as you were saying, their rig was so hard that it was so many people were failing. It also brings up the, how many times are you going to do this obstacle before you are, A, either just not going to be able to pass it, your skill level's not there, or you're just your strength is just leaving as you retry or b do i just get to you can either give up your band or you move on which we end up in another format which is uh what indian mud run gives us which is if anyone's not familiar with indian mud run i highly recommend looking into them uh hands down the best race i have ran in the united states and i've ran races internationally i would say Better than, you know, what I've seen at NORAM, OCRWC as well. They really like to include a lot of obstacles from, especially other races, but they tend to put their own spin on it. Um, It's like technically 70 some obstacles in 15K, but then they label like that tree you have to hop over as an obstacle. So Uh, they they do have obstacles, but then they also have a lot of natural terrain. Yeah. They go by the old Spartan norm uh, trail design uh, where he counted logs as obstacles. But they uh, their version of doing obstacles are, it's kind of like a point system, kind of like a completion system. So you have the people you have as you do obstacles and say, you spent an hour at one of their rigs, just nonstop. You're never going to get it. You still, you have your band currently at this time. You, uh, what you can do is you can literally just say, all right, I'm just not going to get this. I'm going to move on. And at that point, if anybody can fill me in on this, I can't remember if they mark our bands or if someone. Uh, no. So they the take down your taking, number. Yeah, they take down your info at the, at the obstacle. Yeah. Uh, and you get to move on. But at that point, uh, you are now considered. Sure. You can finish above. You can finish in front of people from the competitive wave at that point. But say a person who finished three hours after you, and, but got all of the obstacles completed, they are considered ahead of you because they had 100% completion. While you are just now in the next tier of missing one obstacle, missing two, missing three. But it still gives us this out of not having to sit at one obstacle for hours and just never give up your band, which I encourage people to do. But at some point, we all have had that feeling where we're like, I'm just not going to get this. Well, I, I think you're bringing this up because you saw me at Indian Mud Run and you know what I went through. I've um, seen a lot of people go through it, though. But they just get stuck there. I 
I know that my experience at Indian Mud Run is part of why what fuels me on this topic. Um, if anybody isn't familiar with my Indian Mud Run story, um, I traveled out there uh, and I ran in the pro wave because I pride myself on my abilities for obstacles. I got to the ninja rings. I went through the ninja rings and there was a discrepancy in the rules. So I hooked on the last ring and I didn't touch my feet to the bar. So I, I dropped off and the volunteer said, oh no, you have to touch the bar. So you need to start over. It was crazy hot and humid. And anybody who is familiar with any grip obstacles, if your hands are humid or sweating, wet, any kind of heat and humidity with grip, it's the perfect um, recipe to tear your hands. So my hands are continuing to slip off of these rings. I give it like five tries and I get right towards the end. And each time, like, I just don't touch that final um, pull to say I completed the race. So I'm standing there getting really frustrated as I'm seeing half of the female pros have already given up their bands. The age groupers are coming through. Um, and this is where I know Charles saw me and his friend actually had the same situation. He dropped down, um, not touching that final starting quote unquote um, finishing position. And I had never ran Indian Mud Run before, so I wasn't about to speak my grounds of, no, this is how it's going to be. But he knew Hubie and said, get Hubie here. These are the rules. I just hit the last um, place on the obstacle. Sorry, I didn't get past this pole. But the rules are, I just needed to touch it to here. So Hubie came and said, oh, no, they're good to go. So I wasted 15, 20 minutes trying to beat the ninja rings. To find out that I beat it on my first try, I sprinted off, but my hands were already such a mess. I went through, I beat all of the obstacles, single try, until I got to um, Indian Skull Valley, which is within the last mile of the race. There, the Indian Skulls, as opposed to the regular Skulls that we see at OCRWC, and I spent probably an hour and a half there because my hands were so gummy and soft. It got to the point where I ripped off my calluses on both of my hands with my band still. And I was one skull away from hitting the bell, but my grip was fatigued. My, um, my blisters were gone on my hands. Um, I had nothing left. Somebody turned to me and said, Megan, you have 30 minutes until your time cut off. Like, well, either I stand here and continue to fight for my band, or I have not failed a single obstacle aside from this one obstacle. I'm going to just run through um, and do every other obstacle in my way. So they cut my band while I'm like bawling my eyes out, crying completely. I run, I get over the Irish table, you run up around jump across dragon's back i run down climb up the rope and then you get to climbing up to the top of the quarter pipe slide down into the water 
water hurts on unblistered hands. Like those blisters are gone. It sucks. But then they had the slip wall in the water, the cargo net in the water. My hands are screaming at me and I'm crying, but I, I just hear my friend saying, Megan, go, 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 go. I had no time left. It was like a mile with, I think like 10 obstacles to complete. I climbed over the destroyer first try. I couldn't hang on to the rings on top of the floating, floating walls. walls. Yeah. I beat, I got through the first round of floating walls. I climbed up to the top and then they had the option of either, either the pipe or the rings. And I said, there's no way I can grip these rings. I chicken winged across the pipe on the floating walls and I crossed the finish line with one second left between the cutoff time. And I had only failed one obstacle. I think I finished like fifth or sixth with only a couple females um, who had 100% completion and then a couple females who had one completion. And then there were pros who had completely lost their band, which was you fail, what, like five obstacles on that course? Yeah, I think it's four or five. I think it's four or five, and then they completely cut cut it. So, yeah, I'm going back to Indian Mud Run this year, not just because mm -hmm. I want to beat that course and I want to beat those Indian skulls, but, like, I want to get that name with my shirt on the back because I finished top 10. You want to get that name with your shirt on the back? <laughs> we knew it, man. It's okay. So they do it by obstacles. Yeah, so you can only fail five. Obviously, the people who get 100% completion they get the um they rank above anybody who failed one obstacle who ranks over anybody who failed two three whatever else yeah it becomes a nice tiered way of doing it i um i think it's a really smart way because like like i've said i'm all for multiple like doing multiple tries but there comes to a point where you can't like either you physically can't anymore or you are running out of time it becomes just it becomes a gamble at that point. And I think that's like a good way to do about it, but it's it works very well for Indian Mud Run because Indian Mud Run is a one time of the year. I know he's flirted with possibly doing more, but it's really a once one time of the year type thing. Um, and that's why I think it works though too, because yeah. if you try to do that with like a mainstream company like Spartan or even Savage, which isn't nearly that big, I mean, I think yeah. you run into a lot of issues in terms of like officiating that and getting results out at it like decent time, time frame. right it does take a while what people don't understand with indian mud run is he's not a for-profit race yeah. he is a fundraiser for their parks and rec department to mm -hmm. where they're pulling in the local rotc and the parents mm -hmm. the high schoolers everything to come and officiate those races yeah. it is a community involvement race mm -hmm. so he is the only real profit he's bringing in is what it's going to cost to put together new obstacles. And he has hundred percent, the most innovative obstacles in racing. I mean, um, that's, that's great. Like for him, it works, but it's not, it, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work no, for the larger companies. Cause I, he no, relies so much all. on volunteer work and actually all the people he does pick for the obstacles are people he knows that are going to exactly. be able to take down 
but Savage Race wouldn't be able to implement it. Spartan Race sure as hell would not be able to do it because it's just the sheer amount well, of people. They can't even track burpees half the time. Well, um, and that's that's the big yeah. kind of debate that, you know, is actually sparking the whole mandatory obstacle completion, yeah. uh, especially with, with Spartan is, I mean, I know I, I volunteer Spartan numerous times at high failure obstacles like um, um, Olympus, Monkey Bars, that's and a couple fair. other things that are like, you know, high yeah. failure rate obstacles. When, I mean, the minute you get more than five or six people in a burpee pit, you cannot keep track of yeah. who's done their burpees, who's done them correctly, how many. And like, yeah, you have video playback, but at that point, if you're not, because as a volunteer, you're not supposed to correct burpee form. You're supposed to sit there and make sure that they do them and record their number. And then people are upset where they finish the race and then they get either a 10 minute penalty. Well, I guess they don't do DQs anymore, but they used to do a DQ if you miss more than so many. I don't know if they do or not anymore. Yeah. Or you get a 10 minute penalty, and it's like, well, no one told me that I wasn't extending the full, you know, the full mm -hmm. way or anything like that. And the only way you can correct that is if you have paid, you know, paid personnel there. And it's just not a point in the sport where you can have yeah. that paid there, which is why there's such a big argument for mandatory obstacle completion instead, or what Spartan has been doing the past two years now, which has been penalty loops. That kind of right. throws a whole other curveball into it now with the whole penalty loops. I still haven't seen a Spartan race with a penalty loop. I haven't. Well, I've seen them. I haven't run one because I've heard about it. And it always seems to be this like post Tahoe slash world championship for Spartan. They always tend to like kind of just throw them onto a race. And they're definitely like they're pulling from the world's or not world's toughest mutter, but toughest mutters. Uh, actually, no, it was world's who started doing the penalty loops. Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's better than the burpee thing. Like, I don't know. Hundred percent. It's so much easier to monitor. Oh, yeah. you see somebody fall off a rig, miss a spear, you know, whatever else. Okay. Oh, you just failed. You're going to the left. You didn't. You're going to the right. Um, yeah. Seeing Spartans start to institute penalty loops just shows their willingness to adapt to the community. I mean, we have hammered away this mandatory obstacle completion, bands over burpees, whatever, for so long. And there is a time and a place for everything. There are so many races that have penalties. There are so many races that do mandatory obstacle completion. They understand that they want to keep it competitive, keep everything moving, and they don't want to create that backup. So instead of, okay, you failed an obstacle, go back and try. They say, you failed an obstacle. We don't have enough volunteers or all of our, our volunteers shouldn't have to babysit you. I mean, looking back at Tahoe in what, 2019, when Woodsy, he was exhausted at the top of the mountain, not getting his hands over his burpee, his heads and his burpees. Um, he then wound up getting like time penalties on top of it it's not the volunteers place to call out every single person for not doing a proper burpee yeah. they didn't sign up for that it's so much easier to say hey you have to go and do this penalty loop i know they shut down the ape hanger at the top of the mountain in tahoe in 2019 for age groupers at least when I came through and said because it was too cold to go into that water where you had to enter the water climb up the rope go across a pang or drop back down in the water and then go down do your bucket carry do your swim they said yeah. we are just closing this down everybody has to do the barbed wire crawl instead yeah 
or whatever else. And it is so easier, so much easier to monitor that mm-hmm. to where instead of having a volunteer with the camera, a volunteer with the burpees, a volunteer on all of the obstacles, all you need is somebody watching the obstacle and somebody pointing. Yeah. And on top of it also with speaking of their volunteers with the cameras, we've all run elite and age group. How many of us have actually seen, uh, I've, especially in the past with running age group, I've been in the top 10 of some age group races. I can tell you those cameras are not there anymore at the burpee pits. They really, it's, we all know Spartan Race only checks out like the first top 10 people in the elites. And then those cameras are yanked. Like they just, I've seen them review the footage, but I've never seen them care about the age group races, which for a lot of the people we know and the hopefully the audience of this podcast are going to be people who are there competing who aren't in the elite bracket because we're not pro runners. We're people who are trying to get there. So inside of age group, we have this where a lot of this discussion comes from, which is like people are either shorting out their burpees or they're just not doing them at all. So we end up where they're not actually monitoring these things, which is where a penalty loop or mandatory completion really actually levels the playing field. Because we don't have people just saying like, oh, of course I did 30 burpees. And then they just, they leave at like burpee number 28 or even 25, which yeah, two burpees can really make a difference in time. And then that really messes up either if you're competing for like age group podium, or if you're just trying to get that qualification for OCR Worlds. Because sometimes that is a pain to even get, is to just qualify for that. Um, So I think we've all been in that position. I mean, Charles, you're not even a month older than me. Um, Derek, you're just younger than us. I know when I was running in the 25 to 29, um, I, that was probably my most successful year in age group before everybody really started jumping up and I got really serious about my running. I then went on to run the 30 to 34 And that was the first time that I saw these cameras in place. I remember screaming during the 25 to 29, like, where are the cameras? Where are the volunteers? By the time that the 25, 29s, or, you know, all of the final age group racers were running, the cameras cameras were getting pulled up. Mm -hmm. I know, Derek, for your age group, it's one of those, you can't miss an obstacle or you're not going to podium. But for like us females who probably aren't as fast of runners, we really relied on those cameras to pick and choose or identify the people that were skipping their burpees or whatever else. Because I don't know how many times I had been in a burpee pit, saw somebody come in after me, take multiple breaks and leave a burpee pit before me. And Mm -hmm. I, as an age grouper, know if you don't have the volunteers, I'm going to call out every single person I see. If you don't abide by the rules, you signed up to run Spartans race, OCRWC's race, whatever else. If you're not abiding by those rules, when you signed up and said, I want to compete per the rules, I'm going to call you out. And that's where I think, you know, either you have one of two options in terms of like how to kind of fix that and combat that, right? You either do the tiered system or you have an expert intermediate and beginner lane or um, a, um you know another combination of you have the elites do mandatory obstacle completion and then competitive and open you have the penalty loops 
right? Because then you don't have to worry about that. Because again, I think personally that elites should have to be able to do the obstacle because that's the whole reason why they're in elite or pro or whatever you want to call that category. And then everybody else, you just throw you just throw a penalty and just get rid of the burpees altogether. That way you, it, it eliminates everything. But at the same time, you don't have competitive and open waivers complaining that they can't do something because then there's that other option of, well, you go do the penalty loop and it takes away all those discrepancies. I think that's the only really clear way to get past all that without having all these other issues. I'm going to take it one more. I know Derek, you and I have ran OCRWC. We met at OCRWC. Charles, you've ran NORAM. We are very familiar with these championship races. Mm -hmm. So a brief little insight to where I'm going with this. One, I qualified for OCRWC my first year as an open racer. For OCRWC, you need to finish in the top five of your age group in open. In order to qualify, I qualified at Spartan Fenway. I had 100% mandatory obstacle completion. There's really no like discrepancies about that. Like I ran my race. I did everything. I qualified. I earned my spot. Um, But then I was running Killington a month before OCRWC, getting ready to go off to Blue Mountain in Canada. And I heard a woman coming down the mountain saying, Oh, I qualified for OCRWC. And then a couple minutes later, she's like, I have a terrible shoulder. I can't do burpees. I have done jumping jacks instead of burpees. I'm like, but you qualified for OCRWC. You're going to OCRWC. You didn't do your burpee penalty. So you're telling me that 30 jumping jacks is the equivalent of 30 burpees. And you are now taking this OCRWC spot from somebody else. It's like, well, I qualified for it. Yeah, they're not even the same. So then my issue, not only with her doing deciding her own penalties, and I, I do want to continue on and talk about open racers and the culture of burpees versus mandatory obstacle completion. Because just talking to the community, there is definitely a place for the burpees in this debate if you're in a competitive field and you're not doing the penalties as prescribed by a race you do not qualify for ocrwc 100 percent. but then my biggest problem is when people take the easy route to qualify for ocrwc oh well i sought out this bone fog race because I know nobody runs their three-mile course, or you need to finish in the top X percentage, Mm -hmm. and then you're standing in that starting corral of your age group, pro, whatever wave, and they say, I don't know how to climb a rope, or, oh, I am completely going to fail this rig. What are you doing there? I get that you are there to challenge yourself, but... When it comes to OCRWC, NORAM, any kind of championship races, if you are stepping into a mandatory obstacle completion wave, if you know you can't beat an obstacle and you are not willing to fight for that obstacle, why are you there? And it pretty much goes back to my, uh, you need to be elite video, but that's a whole other topic. I already want to open that. (laughs) I got so much shit on that video I made a year or two ago. Yeah, I think, well, I went in, 
it's very hard to say like why are you there because i went into noram uh first noram was what was in vermont was that 2018 yeah Um, yeah i went up there and i had i went there with many friends who had done ocr world champs before many years before so they had seen legaf they have seen all these other races i had done a good amount of races at that point i had done savage races and bone frogs i had done every spartan race you could think of on the east coast at that point um i did one two battle frogs one of them for 24 hours but that's a whole different story and system um i got there and i can tell you i didn't know how to do the gaff uh they introduced the force five rig they had sketch they had these obstacles which i had never encountered something even close to so i ended up i mean i ended up keeping my bands but i could see the argument of like i qualified to get there i qualified to get there in many different races but I did not have the obstacle skill set to even finish some of that stuff because we all know sketch at first glance. If you're not persistent with obstacles or even just have the ability to be like, I'm going to give this a shot. I know the coordination it needs, but I can understand where some people don't aren't able to do it because um, that required its whole own system to of a uh, skill set. And there's still debate on what is the best way to finish sketch. Um, well, it didn't help that in 2019, they added a third segment to it. In 2018, you could ride down it on your two yeah. hooks, switch yeah. onto that second segment, mm-hmm. and let go of one hook, grab yeah. onto only the one, and ride it to the end. Once they incorporated the third, then you had to actually pick up that yeah. second ninja hook, sure. and it, yeah. it just completely tore up your hands. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's where the one, one uh, area I can see where it's like the people who did deserve to be there earned their spot there, but they lack the knowledge to get there because I am not the most, I am a good runner. I'm not the most obstacle efficient. I can power through a lot of stuff, but some things are technical and I lack the skills to get there. But um, along with penalties, it brings up another thing to bring up, which is one aspect of OCR that's evolving, which is the endurance side of OCR. I mean, we are, we've had. Well, wait, before before you go there, I think, and I know Derek, you and I are familiar with when OCRWC had their time penalties on top of losing your band. Right. And 2017 was the last year that we saw them incorporating this time penalty where every obstacle you missed at OCRWC, not only did you lose your band, but then you lost X amount of time onto your final finishing time. Correct. And that that is a huge part of mandatory obstacle completion that I think needs to come back. I mean, right now, look at Savage Race. I mean, Derek, you talk about Savage Race this last year, how difficult their rigs are. From your experience, how many people did you observe give up their band and just run straight through and not fight it out for other obstacles because they lost their band? They want that age group spot. They want that first place. So I know that only X amount of people are going to beat, you know, this rig. So I have a better shot making like reaching that age group podium if i just run straight through right and that actually happened a couple times uh this past year it was actually a debate that uh sam the ceo of savage posted on the savage syndicate uh facebook forum 
was how they go about doing that. Um, because that was something that kind of came up, not necessarily with the pro wave, but like you said, people competing for the age group award, because they still do it where, you know, if you complete all the obstacles, you don't lose your band, you're going to finish ahead of somebody who may have finished the race earlier than you, but didn't keep their band. But the issue then comes and what you kind of, you know, teased at, which is where if, well, no one keeps their band or only one or two people, you know, one or two people keep their band. If I just run right through this, I'll still have a faster finisher time. But we both didn't keep our band, so I'll get the age group award over that person who stayed there maybe for, you know, 20 minutes or 15 minutes trying it and still didn't get it. So that's where the time penalties, I think, do kind of make a big change in that so that that doesn't happen. I mean, you're always taking a gamble regardless because you don't know who's keeping their band and who's not. But if you're in the middle of the race and you can see and know who's in your age group and know who's keeping your band, then you can kind of strategically run right through an obstacle so you don't have to worry about that. So a time penalty would definitely, you know, halter that too. So definitely kind of an interesting take on it. I actually don't, I don't think I have any real racing experience with time penalties. I've had, I've experienced many different variations of penalties. Um, I don't think I've ever actually been told to sit and wait. Um, I think the most unique system. Well, so wait, one, it, it's not sit and wait. Yeah. So with oh, it adds when up, yeah, it adds OCRWC yeah. finished or had their time penalties, you would finish the race course and then they would take the clipboard and look yeah. at all of the bib numbers yeah. and add the penalties. So then yeah. people who like would hide their bands during OCRWC, NORAM, whatever, and say, mm -hmm. oh no, I don't know what you mean. I completed my race like here look at my band but really they just like tucked it into their shirt yeah they would have to then go back to each individual obstacle volunteer and say oh no i did actually fail that because you have to walk up to them and then they add that time penalty after the fact so there wasn't as many people lying about like keeping their band or whatever else because every single obstacle they failed would take down their bib number. And that's how um, Indian Mud Run monitors who failed what obstacles um, was based on bib number to determine how many failures they had. Yeah, in terms of like, in terms of penalties, though, the only, the most unique system I've seen was, is, and I actually it's unique and I consider it flawed at the same time because they've done different versions of it, which is what uh, Bonefrog has done in the past. Bonefrog has flip-flopped on their obstacle completion a couple times, and now they've kind of merged this weird system together, where they used to be mandatory at one point, um, and they still are for all of their elite, like, Tier 1 challenge, and I think they were, oh, it never happened in 2020, they were going to start doing their sprint distance as an elite as well but they always had a mandatory obstacle completion that was fine and then once they introduced the endurance wave um which is their multi-lap system you were it wasn't um elites had mandatory obstacle completion while open wave uh open wave and the endurance and open wave just overall they had a penalty where it was a different workout like at one point it's like 20 to 30 burpees or 20 to 30 squats push-ups blah, blah blah like 
some form of workout that is equal to whatever obstacles you're doing. Like a, a short balance beam is going to equal to like 20 jumping jacks, something like that. Um, and now what they did as of 2019, the last time I ran with them, um, they had they decided to slam both things together. So you have this Frankenstein of a in your when you're in the elite, doesn't matter if you're an elite tier one challenge, sprint, endurance, or uh, trident. You have mandatory obstacle completion, but every time you fail an obstacle, you have to do the penalty on top of that. So you fail you fail uh, one of their rigs, and I'm just blanking on their obstacle names right now, but you fail one of their rigs, you have to do 20 burpees. Cool. You go back up and you decide, decide to try again. Say you slip on, I don't know, we've all goofed on an obstacle before, where you just like, oh, 100%. I didn't like this. You didn't like your second move, so you drop down and you decide to do it again. Oh, my foot slipped off of the Z wall because there was a block of oh, ice. I mentioned the Z wall foot slip. Spartan, I don't even want to Spartan talk race, about that. I mean, shit. Spartan race is completely different <laughs> than this. I mean, like, great on like OCR World Champs or anything like that, where we get multiple attempts before, like, while at Bonefrogs, you just you just fuck up. You just kind of like moved on the rig weird, and you got spun around. Okay, I'm gonna drop and just restart. Something you can do real quick. If you do that at Bonefrog now. You were going to be, you say you fuck up on your second move. You get to go, do those 20 burpees, try it again. Fate, and you can do that over and over again. And the problem I have with this system is, sure, it, in, it, it gives this like nice like retry penalty thing, so you're not doing one after the other. But you're now in this form of exhaustion state where you can sit there and you can, say an obstacle's wet. The last bone frog I ran in North Carolina, it rained the night before and then they just have that overlapping like dew that's just there all day it never comes off the obstacle it's just there we have many people just dropping because you their obstacles are made of metal so you're slipping everywhere you're gonna try and do their rig over and over again but you have to do fucking 20 push-ups every single time which by the way i mean we can all do 20 push-ups but imagine you're doing 20 push-ups now when you're hey, also not everybody can do 20 push-ups but imagine you're doing that now pumped on a rig every single time. It's just you get into this exhaustion state where they're forcing you to have to come down, which is sure. It makes sense in like these shorter distances ones, the tier, the challenge and the sprint. But in a five to six hour endurance race, it becomes a little much um, where you're trying to keep your band in the elite distance, which sure you can say like a lot of people are going to be like, that's what separates the elite from the regular everyday runner i think where we find this nice happy medium between mandatory obstacle completion whether it be what uh ocr world champs the adventury brand has what indian mud run has and what savagery has and then what uh i mean what we have with the penalty loops and everything on top is what we're kind of seeing across the endurance races which is what which is what uh spartan race has had with some of their ultras what Battle Frog and Bone Frog had, and then what uh, World Toughest Mudder has, is which when you're doing these multiple loop races, you don't have mandatory obstacle completion. You have a, if you fail, you have to do your penalty, whether it's the loop, the burpee. Um, on my feedback on social media, that's where I got a lot of people pointing out where like, I'm here for mandatory obstacle completion, but anything where I'm doing this for hours on end, I don't want to be forced to get stuck at a rig the whole time. I want to be able to 
do it, attempt, and if I can't get it, I'm going to do my penalty and move on. Because I think that's like really where that format sticks, and it's kind of been there for years. We've just, I mean, endurance OCR has always been around, but a lot of us haven't really looked at it. Like it's always been either World's Toughest Mudder or the short-lived BFX, which is Battlefrog Extreme. Yeah, I think that's really where we find this nice like balance between the two. And that's my biggest complaint. Like looking at, I know we've all run something like a fit where they have this, you know, the multi-lap, but then they also have their ultra and fit the only mandatory obstacle completion component in their race is their elite wave. Their elite wave goes off after their ultra wave starts. So if you're going to run elite and ultra, you miss out on that hour of the ultra to run elite, but then you're not held to mandatory obstacle completion for the remainder of your course. Okay. So they're going to give out a winner. Yes. For the, um, elite wave. They're also going to give out a winner for their endurance ultra wave. But if you're not requiring obstacle completion, who's to say that they're not just going and touching the obstacle and running straight through. And I want to explore more into the ultra endurance world but I don't want to run a race where I'm up against somebody who's not being held accountable for doing their obstacles. If I want to run a trail ultra, I'm going to go run a trail ultra. If I want to run a trail obstacle course race ultra, I'm going to go sign up for an obstacle course race ultra that holds somebody accountable for their obstacles, whether it be obstacle mandatory out completion or um, penalties. And, and yeah, and that's where I think the penalties come into play is for the endurance stuff. That's where I think it makes the most sense to do a penalty because, like you were saying, Charles, if you're running for six plus hours for anything, I mean, you're gonna burn out at some point and probably not be able to do some of the simplest of obstacles like a monkey bar or something. In that case, then yeah, penalty makes sense. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I mean to quote uh, one of the guys online, uh, Ry Claxton. Uh, what he's what he quoted on was, I think endurance races should use penalties because eventually the hands tear, the forearms become toast. Maybe you get a minor injury that prevents some abilities, but you can still race. Make the penalties count, but definitely offer them for those kinds of events. Hundred percent. Based on my experience with uh with OCR endurance, that's kind of what's worked. Uh, it worked for Battlefrog Extreme twenty four hour. I mean, it's what's worked for. Tough mutter for a long time, or toughest world's toughest mutter for a long time. Um, you want to win those carabiners so you can I, bypass yeah. obstacles and penalties right when mm -hmm. it matters. Yeah, and then I think it's something that like Spartan Race should consider looking into more because some. I mean, there's a whole other topic we can get to, but some ultra beasts. I'm gonna continue calling them ultra beasts. Uh, also, <laughs> as you should, are, as you should. Never, yeah. never losing the title. Yeah, yeah. except it, Spartan. Yeah, some ultra beasts are as hard as they're going to be. Killington is what it is. Tahoe is what it is, and there's others out there. But some of them are a little flatter and easier, which those require. I feel like that's kind of where you find the medium, but then you're bending your own rules. Um, um, also from the same guy, Ry Claxton. Here's a fun question. If you accept Spartan's one-try penalty policy, 
is 30 burpees the right of his 30 burpees the right amount of burpees specifically at the spear throw nailing it first try is a ton faster than the penalty but for people like me one throw plus 30 burpees is a relief because i don't have to stand there all day and throw the spear until it's time to get close everything down and go home and i don't have to finish the race so like i think we could also broaden this to like if we really want to is 30 burpees enough or should this be something that is only applied to the spear throw? Because let's be honest, the spear throw is the most unique obstacle we've come across. Like unique as in like no one else does that type of obstacle or has tried and they go away. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to bring it in the same context as, I mean, I, right now there's a lot of talk about Jacksonville and last year in Jacksonville, if you ran age group for the national series in Jacksonville, you know, if you didn't make it to the Z wall within the first couple people, they had like what, eight to 10 lanes. You were stuck in a waiting line of 10 to 20 deep. At that point, is it quicker to burpee out of the Z wall and taking the burpees penalties than waiting in line to attempt? And it's like, we see that all the time. And I'm I'm looking for the comment right now. Um, somebody commented online about how we have seen in something like a Spartan race, because it is such a fast race where you have um, the different pros who can't beat an obstacle. I mean, for years, Lindsay couldn't beat a spear throw. And at that point, do you stand there and line it up? perfectly just for the 50 50 shot of missing it or do you quickly throw and run to the burpee pit but then you see ryan woods take the burpee pit in 2019 tahoe and get added time onto his penalties because his burpees weren't you know up to spartan standards but then what like 20 what was it 16 where Faye and Lindsay or somebody were like burping it out at the rig at the end and the first person to finish their burpees and walk across the finish line was the champion like at what point is it like okay burpees are an easy way out to not have to stand in line or not have to overcome this obstacle that you know you're not going to beat like, I would much rather see somebody beat an obstacle. We are obstacle course racers than, oh, just go over here and do this burpee. I um, I think where we would see it end up being like uh, uh, burpees become a little too easy is if what Spartan Race is running in the stadium event where you have, they now have the 15 count, but a lot of the obstacles in uh, the stadium event are very easy. Like, they're fast. They're not complex uh, besides the spear throw. Like that's actually the like, most hit or miss obstacle they have. But I feel like if they were to somehow shorten burpees on the actual race formats, the sprint, super, and beast, if they were to like somehow bring those down, then you would start seeing that gamble of like, mm, I think I can do 15 burpees faster. Like I think right now 30 is still, I consider 30 a lot. Like, especially is. 30 in is a ton. You don't think 30 is a lot until you're like, burpee 18 or 19 you're like fuck this oh. sucks that's like a solid two minutes off of whatever oh, you yeah. were running 
it is a game changer but like you can also see i mean on the pro level on the pro level you see people i mean we've seen them do the burpee gamble like where they're just like you know what i can out burpee this person i'm gonna do that instead of trying to get through this rig yeah i mean you saw that at uh spartan world championships what two years ago or three years ago with the uh Lindsay, Lindsay the Faye. Faye. yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna still put it on record i want to see the tape <laughs> I want. <laughs> I don't want to see what they put on NBC. I want to see the tape of them burping because I still refuse to believe Lindsay out burping Faye when they were pace for pace and Faye started first. I don't. Know. That's my whole. I could sit there and start my own rally over that. But um. But yeah, hey, we're, we're, the gamble. we're not here to debate about like the pros. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. we can sit here like yeah. we can argue all day bands over burpees for like us age group racers and like that's what we are all three of us are age group racers looking to hopefully go on into the um elite category but at the end of the day we all started with open racer as Mm -hmm. an open racer and i think yeah we have a very good argument for the mandatory obstacle completion but we have to like pay a little bit of respect to the burpee side of everything i mean derek you are you have come back from shoulder injury upon shoulder injury upon shoulder injury yeah i went (laughs) now yeah it it sucks um it's hard to get into multi-rigs and monkey bars and i know we've talked before about how swinging is particularly difficult at least it was after your labral surgery. Um, and a lot of open racers have issues with whether it be injuries, fears. And I think that is the biggest thing when it comes to burpees is for us weekend warrior obstacle course racers really looking to continue to challenge ourselves. Do we consider ourselves completing a course if we're running open we skip our burpees and just go collect a medal and I think a lot of people are saying no I know that I don't want to water in a dunk well because I have a fear or I have a shoulder injury I have an ankle injury um, I'm not medically cleared I don't know how to complete these obstacles but I have this alternative of a burpees penalty, a jumping jacks penalty, uh, you know, a penalty loop, whatever else. And as, you know, the middle of the pack, we need to understand that there are the people that want to come up into the age groups and the elites that are working to get up here. And the only way they are going to consider themselves as serious racers is they complete a race, whether it's through completing an obstacle or completing a penalty. And right now, the penalty is their way of completing an obstacle until they have the technique, the strength, everything else. Yeah. To beat that obstacle. Right. And I mean, that's why, like, I mean, my final thoughts on this whole thing is you definitely have to play to the field of your audience, right? So, I still stand by if you are an elite pro, whatever you want to call that division. If you're in that category, you should be held to an elite and pro category of you do the obstacle that's in the race. You get 
multiple attempts, but you have to be able to complete it unless it is an ultra or an endurance event. That is kind of the exception to the rule. For age group and open or any other category, that's where I think you need to have a time loop penalty or other penalty of some sort, but not something like burpees where it gets too convoluted to kind of keep track, count, and have all those kind of discrepancies. So I think the time loop is the easiest way to do it or have the tiered system or a combination of the two. Personally, though, I just think burpees should just be out of racing altogether and just not exist. I mean, I think that's the reason why it's only in Spartan racing. It just happens to be that everyone knows about the burpee penalty because Spartan holds the biggest market share. But that's kind of my final thought on it. I will say I have done or I have seen races do burpees, albeit not to the 30, but I have seen smaller race brands do burpees. But it's more so because they're riding Spartan's coattails and saying we need something. So I've seen air squats. I've seen jumping jacks. I've seen burpees. Burpees are usually the most intense. And I've seen a lot of people commenting online about, oh, burpees are a great penalty because they're physically demanding and there's so much discrepancy. But yeah, like at the end of the day, if I'm watching somebody at like an OCRWC who says, I can't climb a rope. Well, yeah, I think one, you should lose your band. You should get a time penalty, but like you also should have to do something substitute for it to get that medal. And I mean, I'm not, I think everybody earns their medals. Like we'll have a full discussion on how we feel about medals Mm -hmm. and everything else. Mm -hmm. Like the medal is your earning, but the difference between completing a race and finishing a race should be you do the obstacle or you do the penalty. But I also think that time penalties should be a thing as well. If I were to try and like sum up this like topic, it's a it's never gonna go away until our sport is an actual sport and like we actually are under a whoa 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 we it, you know it's I mean. an actual no, no, no. sport all right Joe Decina sure it's a sport but we are not a sport like the NFL the NBA the MLB it we is are... a non regulated sport yeah so we are in the we're actually where a lot of pro MMA is they are all working underneath a different set of rules depending on what state they're in but until we have a actual unified rule set it's going to be a constantly debated thing and really we only the only outlier in this right now really is kind of where spartan race is because they're still holding on to the old ways but they are trying to adapt and that's where we've seen that those penalty loops come agreed agreed They um they don't want to drop the burpees. Yeah, and the where if I were to like look across the whole field of like open racers, do what you want. I like it. You're there. You paid to have some fun. If you don't want to do thirty burpees, go for it. If you want to try the obstacles, go for it. Hey, I've even volunteered and watched open races. Like, can I give it another shot? I'm like, you know what? Go for it. Like, oh, hundred percent. I don't really thrown care. a second, third, fourth spear <laughs> throw. Have but fun. like, if, at, if it's backed up, then we got to keep going. Like, get, to, get to the back of yeah. the line. Yeah. Um, I I do think that open racers should continue to strive to push themselves more and oh, more. Of course. And if you are looking to move up into age group competitive waves, you should strive for that hundred yeah. percent completion. Um, because realize 
if you don't know how to climb a rope, if you don't know how to beat a multi-rig before you step into age group, you're probably not going to beat the rope climb, the multi-rig, whatever else, Mm -hmm. once you're in age group. So beat those obstacles first because people stepping into age group elites, they go into it with the expectation that we're not going to have to burpee out, but we can do 30 burpees if that accident happens. Yeah. And I think that is the biggest thing that age groupers don't realize that you need to be able to beat these obstacles to move up. It's not a, I'm going to move up and see if it comes to me. Yeah. I encourage everybody to try and continue to push themselves. But you said as a guide. And then if I were to look at, with, with looking at just like the competitive waves, I think, yeah, I think the penalty loop is kind of one of the better ways to go um, because it would work for most of the giant races. Like I, I do... In my heart of hearts, I think India Mud Run has the best format, but we got to be realistic. Spartan Race, like the biggest race out there, has the hardest time getting a volunteer force. And they can't, and they're the most profitable, and they can't afford to even have officials out there. Well, so I think that's we're, where India we're Mud gonna Run We're going to get into all of that later. Like the volunteer issue with Spartan is bad. And I think, Derek, you, from your own experience, you've done the volunteer route for all of it and we are going to talk about that yeah that's a whole other episode that's all other all other uh can of worms on on that one (laughs) that's kind of where the india mud run format doesn't really work for everybody it works for that one race because he has the trusted field where i think a penalty loop would work i love what savage race does which is they have the mandatory obstacle completion and you have the dual band of Either you're finishing with a regular timing chip or you're finishing with your timing chip plus your obstacle completion timing chip. But I think, um, yeah, I think it just loops back until we have an actual set of rules that everybody is going by, then we will have a definitive like set to this. But I think for larger formats, I think a penalty loop is really the best option we have um, because it is easy enough to tell someone to be like, hey, if they complete it, they keep going. If they don't, they have to go do this barbed wire low crawl or this on top of that, whichever is an equal penalty to and that obstacle. 100%. Yeah. Honestly, I think there is a place in the sport for a little bit of everything. Like, yeah, there should be penalties in this sport. I don't completely agree with penalties in like an elite age group field. Mm-hmm. You should have to complete it. But there's also this debate of, how much bottlenecking do we want to have to deal with? Like, do we want to have to stand in line and wait? But like you get to the rigs of a savage, no CRWC, where people are, you know, waiting on their hands to cool down or trying to massage their forearms, their biceps, whatever else. Like there's a time and a place for people waiting, but then there's also those bottlenecks that we don't want to see. So having something like a penalty loop is acceptable to have when it's like a race that isn't as close packed. I think seeing the mandatory obstacle completion races are great because they can spread out the field so much more, but we we don't want to turn every single thing or every single race into the same exact race. You want to go into a race and say, oh, well, this one is a penalty. So 
if I fail this one, I have to do X, Y, Z versus this one is mandatory obstacle completion. So I'm going to have to beat these obstacles. These obstacles are going to be exponentially harder than the last race I did. Or I know I had one um, person online talk about a race doing point system. And I think, Derek, you ran. Isn't that how Goliathon works? Yeah, Goliathon's kind of a different animal, though, only because there's no time element. It's not a race. Oh, okay. Uh, it's strictly point-based. It's more of a uh, Ninja Warrior-esque kind of thing. It is. There's no... Okay. They did add, add a time element only due to... They don't want people on the course for 10 hours, but there's it's not a race. It's strictly point-based. So that's kind of a whole other uh, ballgame. I think the only other place that's done a point system, and I don't know if they did get a full season, which was Stadium Blitz. Um, they were working off of a point system, which was like, it was a combo of like how fast you got here and how fast you finished this race and how fast you did this obstacle. It was this weird, like point based system, but their launch was supposed to be in 2020. So we're not. And, um, Gronk went and rejoined the NFL, gave up his 24 seven title. And we don't Mm -hmm. know what's going on with that. But like in reality, you think, okay, Derek, how we were talking about having three different levels of obstacles in an elite heat or uh, age group heat, if you have three different difficulty levels, you get one point for open, two for age group, three for elite. And the first person to come through with the fastest time and the most points, like realistically, that could put it potentially work but again it then feeds into volunteers and workers and everything yeah, else. yeah that's yeah. that because calls a whole other can of worms of keeping track of yeah. points and scores oh yeah you have people on an obstacle at any given time i mean and that's that's where it's boiled down to is the keeping track a lot of this where the bit well, like mandatory versus burpees really comes down to because we have mm-hmm. people who are i mean we have the age group runners where we've seen it i mean we have luckily we haven't seen it in 2020 we got a we got a nice break from this conversation for a while, but we had a nice break it. of racing yeah. in general yeah. in twenty twenty. Like, in twenty nineteen, we had a huge surge of people in age group saying like, "Hey, we have people here who are not doing the full penalty, or they're not doing the full burpees. They're just coming in, doing stuff, and leaving." And so well, we're having people who are competing for a stadium series or a mountain series or a national series, where it is just becoming this cluster of like. I'm getting robbed of these points because I have seen again and again and again that these people aren't doing it. Um, Well, it doesn't help that one. I mean, we know there's no qualifying for age group and there's no real enforcement in age group. Yes. There's now qualifying in elite, but I have seen time and time again, people from before they instituted the elite qualifying that they would sign up in elite at the Killingtons, the Big Bears, the like Palmertons, all of the major ra- mountain races where it would take an average person somewhere between six to 12 hours. They'd sign up in the elites. They'd sign up in the age groups because they wanted that early start time. And then you would call them out for wearing their wristband, wearing their red headband, whatever else, and giving assistance to help a girlfriend up over a wall or walking past the burpee pit. And it's like, okay, you're seeing them. Volunteers take down their number. 
that's supposed to be a DQ. But then there was the issue of touching the truss at Jacksonville in what was that 2019. So they, they, instead of DQing people gave them a max penalty, but for people who are only out to get their trifecta and get their name on their trifecta blanket. Okay. If you give them a max penalty, they still technically earn that medal they collected they get their name on that blanket regardless of their time because they're signing up for the earliest start time to have the most time on the course. Mm -hmm. They don't care about their finishing times. And I mean, we could continue to do full episodes on age groups and elites. And Mm -hmm. I fully believe at least for something like a national series, because we have seen national series racers or national series races sell out in like Utah and out in Big Bear because these are the races that people sign up early to have as much time on the course instead of signing up for age group to run competitively. There should be a way for, you know, elites and age group racers to sign up for the series in one go as opposed to have to sign up for each individual race and say, I am committed to the series versus I am committed to this individual race. Well, that's my personal opinion because I do run the national series. I run the mountain series. Mm -hmm. I want to run races that mean something as opposed to just podium poaching and being that, you know, local racer. Yeah. Which that is all one other. Like we I know we can talk for days. Topic. Yeah, but I think when it comes to this, I mean, we've all stated our where we kind of stand on this and what we expect out of it and what we kind of want. But it really is going to be left up to whatever. I mean, these the companies end up coming down to, and it seems like most of them are very close to the same format. It's just everybody has their own spin on it at this point. And I think that's where we're really going to get stuck for a while. I mean, Bands Over Burpees is going to be a thing for seasons to come. Hopefully not. I would love to see actually one final standardization. But Like you said, it's it's literally going to be a debate every single year, every single month, every single week in this sport until it becomes unified and becomes the same across the board no matter what brand of race you run. It's going to be a debate no matter what until that happens. And like based on just us interacting with this community, it seems like a lot of people are in the same mindset of like, yes, like, I mean, we all know even our friends, like we are all for mandatory obstacle completion, but we understand there needs to be some leniency in there or we do end up with like a penalty and stuff. So it seems like the community knows like what's there, a good, especially a good amount of like the competitive community and the people who have been doing this for a good amount of time. We know what we kind of want out of it. We're really just waiting now on the on the on the companies i'm gonna just put it out there if everybody wants to instill the whole indian mud run you know let's rank based on how many obstacles you beat as opposed to band versus no band i am all in on it nobody should be standing on a podium unless they are beating obstacles you lose your band you have to fight it out with every single person who gave up their band and the person that failed the least amount in obstacles should be standing on that podium. So 
guys with the community we are reaching out and we are asking these questions we are taking in the feedback and we want to continue to interject your comments as they come up obviously this is a conversation we are talking i don't know how many times i was pulling up different facebook comments instagram comments like oh i was ready to insert so and so said this and this and this we we are three friends talking about obstacle course racing we are seeing all of your comments you're posting we have your comments ready to go but again we're talking in a straight conversation and we might not have time to say hey john smith says xyz but every single thing we see online and you're saying online we are bringing into conversation yeah so we are going to continue to do our best to interject the community's responses and not just keep this our own personal opinions so we might not call you out by name we might not read your comments i guarantee you i have a full notebook page of comments and where i can see every single person saying what and ready to insert them we just don't have the time to say oh wait hold up let me quick pull this up for you yeah. So we want to continue to rope the community in. We want to keep talking to the community. This isn't about us. This is about you guys. Yeah. Um, so we want you guys to keep engaging and telling us what you want to hear and what your opinions, your stories, your beliefs are on every single topic. I think as we go, especially like this is very, this topic was very much since we are hopefully getting into the season it's very much a good intro topic to go on to and one that we can talk for i mean we could do episode after episode we could rehash this over the summer the fall the winter like it's something that's always going to keep going especially as the sport evolves so this is definitely a good kickoff so we're always going to be moving around our format till we settle in stuff because this is definitely a very much a experiment for a lot of us i mean we've all had our experiments with social media but we've never actually done podcasting really um, especially on an OCR format. Um, so yeah, we're really hoping to get a lot of people involved because I think that's what, I mean, that's what excites me about like talking with OCR is actually being able to talk with multiple people. And based on just the comments I was getting, I was happy to see a lot of people shared a lot of, especially especially the people who brought up like the endurance formats. I was very happy because I love endurance OCR formats. So it was nice to see like a lot of people share that same uh share that same oh what's the word i'm looking for i don't know i guess share that same engagement love engagement love for it so it was nice passion. passion passion there we go That's nailed it yeah <laughs> no again guys we are trying to speak to the community if i wanted to just talk to charles and derek i talk to them every day yeah we want to talk to you we feel like this is something that's missing in the community and we want to hear your voice. So keep reaching out to us, keep responding to our posts, everything you see, we want to bring you into this and we hope to in time, literally bring you guys into our podcast. Okay guys. Well, I think we are going to call it a day. We are the middle of the pack podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at middle of the pack pod we are on twitter as mid pack pod 
because Twitter sucks and doesn't let us have the characters for the full name. My name is Maggie B. ATC. I am here with Derek Rosansky. Hi. Hey, you guys. Oh, my God. Give your, your hand <laughs> Oscar Activist, if you want to follow me on the YouTubes, I mean, I might start doing videos again. I don't know. I'll probably incorporate this as well. But yeah, you can follow me on there or my Instagram, which is obstacle underscore activist as well. And Charles, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on really just Instagram at sabertooth underscore OCR. That is S-A-B-R-E-T-O-O-T-H underscore OCR. You can watch me wear bright colors, gooders, and hats, and post, I guess, OCR content. I don't know. I don't know what people I guess. Me. I guess. <laughs> but guys, we are trying to do this every week. If you have any insight or topics you want to cover, please reach out to us. Again, Instagram, Facebook, at Middle of the Pack Pod. And we will see you next week. We are Middle of the Pack Podcast. OCR is not just a sport, it's a lifestyle.